WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week's guest is the writer of the new image series, All Against All, Alex Pacnadel. Welcome, Alex. Thank you very much indeed for having me. So we've been doing this show for almost five years now. And in that time, we've asked the same final question every week. And up, up until very recently, it was an innocuous question, but now maybe not so much. So for at least this week, we're going to start at the end. Alex, how can people follow you online? <laughs> um, uh, <sorry>. right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, man. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, they're proliferating like crazy. I, I mean, um, okay. So cu- I'm currently on Twitter at at Alex Pacnadel. Uh, that's just Alex and then uh, Papa Alpha Kilo, November Alpha Delta Echo Lima. Um, all one word. Uh, but um, given that, you know, uh, a, a twister, uh, twister? Twitter uh, seems to be sort of rapidly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, it seems to be being. Yeah, uh, 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 I was going to say debased, but I mean, you know, we never thought that would be possible. But debased even further. Uh, <laughs> I am experimenting with other platforms. I'm looking at Hive at the moment, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at Alex Pacnadel on there. Uh, I'm on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm uh, I'm on Facebook along with your grandma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah uh so yeah i mean i'm uh but but who, who knows i mean it may it may have all changed uh next week i mean i think it what what watching the good ship twitter sort of sink beneath the waves or 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 become something else entirely uh is is quite uh is quite unedifying isn't it it, it, it is, you know, and I, and I wonder just, you know, as a creator, as a person, you know, uh, just walking around, though, like, do you feel sort of how do you pick it? Like, I'm seeing people out there like, OK, I've, I'm doing Mastodon now. I'm I'm trying Hive. And, you know, for people who need to engage in the act of, of self-promotion, you know, it, it's it, it, I have to there's a challenge I had to imagine to sort of casting yourself to all these new random voids to shout into, as opposed to when we all just had the one agreed upon void and maybe TikTok, uh, and, and just kind of hope for any sort of return on the investment of doing that. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's a weird one for me in the sense that, you know, uh, I mean, I started on it, um, <laughs> purely, uh, you know, uh, purely for social reasons, right? So, you know, it, it it only became a professional tool later. So I don't think my tone, I don't, I don't think I've kind of policed my tone too much. It, mm-hmm. It's mainly been, you know, I guess like, you know, uh, bad puns and politics and a bit of comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss that, miss it in that respect. But I mean, I, I think that the, the Twitter thing. I mean, not to not to take things down and uh, not to lower the tone too much, but it's it's interesting that it's becoming increasingly apparent that Elon Musk has just bought the town square. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, and the thing about the town square is, and I'm not romanticizing it at all. You know, um, 
I mean, you, you remember that bit in like in like Monty Python's Life of Brian, right? Where they're kind of going, they're they're walking through the market, and there's there's all the kind of profits, and there's you know, there's the guy going, you know, and, and a son shall lose his father's hammer, and no one will really know where lieth those things with the sort of raffia work base and the attachment. And you got that guy, and then you got the other guy who's sort of shouting and raving, you know, and what I mean, that's that that that's that's Twitter, right? <laughs> and so we've we've lost those, but you know we've lost the interesting. We're losing the interesting voices, uh, and and they seem to be keeping the sort of most febrile and unpleasant ones. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that sort of shakes out when the sort of you know when you know the, the world's town square is kind of only shouty people. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not thrilled. <laughs> it's it's not great, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not great, Bob. Yeah. Ah, boy. But uh, you know, to to keep to keep the party atmosphere going and kind of you know uh, <laughs> steer steer the ship uh, toward Bring what we're here. <laughs> to steer the ship toward what we're here to talk about today. Uh, one thing I was curious about was what is what is the first environmental disaster you remember being reported. So, I, for example, like I remember the Exxon Valdez spill in in like 1989 because it broke into Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Um, like really, I mean, not not. It, it's Chernobyl, right? Sure. But it, yeah. It's, but it, it's Chernobyl in the sense that, like, my mom and dad closed all the windows. <laughs> you know. Uh, like I wasn't allowed out for a bit, um, which is nuts, you know. I, I mean, so that I, I yeah, I, I would say that um, I remember Exxon Valdez well, or well, not well, but but yeah, um, but certainly sort of all from a time when it when they were considered sort of aberrations, right, mm -hmm. rather than. You know, I mean, I remember I, I was talking to, yeah, like I, I, was, I was talking to a friend out in LA who said, um, now when they hit fire season, right? Mm -hmm. Fire season, which for what, I mean, what, what the hell? But, but they were saying, you know, if, um, if the mountains are on fire, they'll just, the first thing they do is kind of adjust their route to work. Mm hmm. It, it, you know what I mean? It's such a kind of quotidian thing. It's such a kind of commonplace, banal thing that like half the city is on fire that they just kind of go, oh, well, I'll just take that tunnel rather than, oh, God, oh, God, everything's on fire. I mean, I, I hor horrible to say, but also Los Angelinos are used to bad traffic anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just, you know, one, yeah, one, one, you know, yeah, like gridlock occasioned by like judgment day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, just no, one I'm more gonna... thing to back up the 405. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be like a half, another half hour late. <laughs> to go what theoretically is a half hour up the street. <laughs> yeah. That was the weirdest thing, man, being there. Like, I, I couldn't get my head around it. The idea that to get anywhere in L.A., like around London, we have there's a big uh, there's a big um, 
there's a big freeway around London called the M25, right? Okay. Like a ring road. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to describe LA to my dad. And I said, it seemed, it just, I'm sure that's not, I'm sure it's not true, but it certainly seemed that way to us, right? That to get anywhere in LA, I said, imagine having to go on the M25 and sort of slingshot around and then sort of go, go straight back in. Like you have to leave the city to get anywhere in the city. Really strange. Um, like yeah, really kind of counterintuitive. I like, I absolutely loved it. I love, I, I loved Los Angeles, but like, just it, it just didn't seem sort of humanly navigable. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't drive, which I know is kind of like stealing, you know. But like, it, it just seemed like I couldn't, I couldn't live here because I can't drive, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to say about comics. <laughs> Matt, I'm gonna bounce the ball to you. Baby's first natural disaster. Oh boy. Uh... I think you're. I think it's Exxon Valdez. That makes although, sense. We're on the we're the same age. Yeah. Although I will say, uh, my partner Laura, her family lived twenty five miles from Three Mile Island, and she oh. was born two weeks before the meltdown. Oh, Billy! So she doesn't remember it. But sure. it's part of the family lore that she was this tiny little infant when they theoretically should have been evacuating. And they're like, no, no, we got a kid. We're not going to, you know, get out of this. We're that's a disaster. That would be that would be the disaster. <laughs> and now she can move objects with the power of her mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally how X-Men started. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I gotta check. You know, so so hun, can you bend the spoon? <laughs> Guess which hand the quarters in. Yeah. <laughs> but uh so yeah, you are here to talk about All Against All, your new image series with artist Casper Wingard and letterer Hassan Otsman Elhow out December 7th. Uh Matt, uh, will you kindly read the solicit blurb? <laughs> it is the distant future. Earth is long gone, but a race of alien conquerors known as the Operators have reserved its savage animals in an artificial jungle environment they barely understand. With no bodies of their own, the Operators move from world to world, harvesting bodies for the organic exosuits they use to wage their endless wars. Ignored and underestimated by his captors is the habitat's sole human specimen, helpless. However, When their efforts to find and harvest an apex predator intensify, he gives them far more than they bargained for. Uh, More succinctly, it's been billed as what if Tarzan were the xenomorph from Aliens? And uh, I truly truly do have to say, you know, congrats. It it is a fantastic first issue. Uh, Listeners, definitely go check it out. Uh, Most importantly, this comic hangs dog. It, yeah, it literally and I hope figuratively. Yes, <laughs> um, but yes, there there is dong, um, and there were there were high level discussions about the dong. Um, <laughs> I, Eric Stevenson got involved. <laughs> like no, like I I, I was uh, I I was a little bit concerned about it. I thought you know uh, uh, you know is <laughs> uh, you know. 
that there, there were serious discussions about you know i mean how prominent the the dong should be uh uh, uh you know girth was mentioned um but in the end we thought it might shift a few more units so we went fuck it <laughs> um, yeah uh and and we 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 embraced we embraced the dong we grabbed it with both hands and you know here we are you see too much DC of a coward have done yeah dc's too much of a coward to have bat dong we got it <laughs> <sighs> um yes that there, 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 there is there uh, is there is gratuitous male nudity in this comic um uh and i mean also some like rene girard and some guy de as well i guess mm-hmm. um, um like <laughs> so yeah you know we tried to mix it up a little bit yeah it's 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 uh it's it's uh i think it's an interesting book it, it absolutely is but uh you know, we'll, we'll we'll put the dong aside for now. What is what is the origin of this this project? How far does this go back for you? I mean, I I I'd, I'd love to say it was something really kind of uh, you, you know like a real sort of like high minded uh, you know uh, three AM epiphany, uh, but really, I mean, the whole thing sort of proceeded from just just a sort of like a a, a, a vignette, right? Like a um, I just had this sort of mental image flash up of uh, a sort of uh, species flipped alien uh, where, you know, you've got like a, a human being sort of, you know, swooping down out of kind of pipes and, and, and shoots and ducts and, and, and sort of pulling aliens up into the crawl space and tearing them to pieces. Uh, and I, I really, from that sort of central image, I kind of built the whole thing around that. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, I'm very happy with I'm very happy with how it evolved because you know once I started putting flesh on the bone, um, and I'm I'm very lucky as well. You know, I, I, I'm part of a writers collective uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Dan Waters, Ryan O'Sullivan, and Ram V. So I kind of workshopped it a little bit with them, um, and uh, it's we 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 have this weird thing where we we we're, we're very good at we're very good at identifying each other's subtexts, if that makes sense. Sure. Uh, you know, the, the, the whole David Lynch, eye of the duck thing. Um, you know, we, we, we read each other's scripts and we read each other's pictures all the time. And, you know, we've, we've come to, we, we have, we have that wonderful shorthand now where, where we can kind of go, Oh, this is about that. Or, you know, this is about, you know, parenthood. This is about, you know, blah, blah. Um, and you know they again you know helped me immeasurably with this you know because I, I i worked up a pitch and they basically helped they helped me kind of clarify what i was trying to say mm-hmm. um and so yes uh from from those kind of humble beginnings you know i've tried to sort of construct something that um speaks to the porosity of boundaries, um, the, um, the 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 futility of purity narratives, um, uh, and and also, I mean, frankly, just sort of that the wonderful privilege I think that science fiction gives you of sort of looking at very very human elements um, 
but but being able to kind of cock your head um and sort of look at them you know look at them uh askance um and and hopefully kind of you know look at them from more of a kind of anthropological perspective you know with that sort of level of detachment which is of course exactly what my protagonist is doing i've got this alien protagonist who's basically looking at these kind of this earth-like habitat and all the animals that have been sort of culled from from the now dead earth um and is describing them in these very kind of essentialist very kind of biological brutal you know utterly kind of devoid of emotion um which you know is a perspective that we don't get very often because it's you know it's the uh you know it's it's very difficult to see the forest when you're in it you know mm -hmm. So uh, you're working with Casper on this book, as you mentioned. Uh, Casper mm -hmm. just finished, you know, at least from from my eyes, drawing my favorite comic of last year, which was Homesick Pilots with uh, Dan Waters, we just mentioned. Uh, he continues to be very fucking good here. Uh, did you have Casper in mind from from Jump as you were kind of getting this together? No, no, not at all. Um, I, uh, but for I think for a very good reason, right? Which is... Um, I can't afford him. Um, uh, I I was putting it together, and I, uh, you know, Casper and I are, you know, we 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 came up together. You know, we've known each other for a very long time. And what I what I actually reached out to him for, you know, I reached out to a few people, but I reached out to him uh, basically to help me find an artist uh, mm -hmm. because. Um, I knew that, um, uh, I, you know, if I wanted uh, a heavy hitter or if I, you know, if I wanted someone of kind of Casper's kind of caliber, um, you know, it would be remiss of me to, you know, expect them to kind of, you know, I, I couldn't expect them to take a pay cut, right? Sure. Okay. Um, so what I did was I, you know, I, I outlined the plot to Casper and I just said, look, you know, I know that you, I know that you, you know, you're very active on Instagram. You keep your eye on sort of Behance and, and Deviant Art. You know, I don't really have time to kind of go through pages and pages and pages of this stuff. You know, is there anyone that you've got your eye on? Um, and he said, well, okay, tell me the story and then I'll, you know, I'll, it'll help me to sort of winnow it down and get a better sense of tone. And then I can sort of curate that list uh, a bit better for you so i mentioned it and he went oh that's a really that's a really cool idea i said yeah yeah thanks man and over the course of the next couple of weeks instead of giving me names he kept giving me com concept sketches just going like oh what do you mean this do you mean this oh yeah yeah like that yeah okay um and then honestly i mean it was a very short flirtation i think it was about 10 days in all but he just turned around in the end and just went you know what i'll just do it <laughs> So are you serious? I said, you've just come off an image book. I know that, you know, editors at Marvel and DC are beating a path to your door. Are you sure? You, yeah, I want to do it. It's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's a story that I'm invested in. Um, I really want to see this made. And, you know, I think, you know, I'm the one to do it properly. And he is. And so how serendipitous is that? <laughs> I, it, it is it is fantastic it is meant to be and you know big two is beating a path to his door because he's also got a uh backup story coming in uh detective with uh rom so this is all you know all very exciting it's nice that that all the white noise boys keep giving him work too <laughs> oh 
he, we don't honestly, Matt. Like, uh, we we don't give him work at all. Uh, I think it's more that um, everyone's asking to work with him, so we just make sure we ask before everyone else. Smart, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's it's uh, it's it's interesting, sort of borrowing him from greatness. The the aliens themselves, you know how. I guess intense a design process was that because you have this race that themselves don't have corporeal bodies. You know, they're sort of scrap they're they've scrounged earth for for spare parts to build these sort of exosuits. So you you have to strike this balance whereby they're these cruel, unrecognizable aliens, but also sympathetic and at least slightly human presenting. Well, I mean, that was the big challenge. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it was a very intensive development process because initially, uh, I mean, just so what 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 the aliens in this, the aliens are, they're, they're kind of, um, we think it's sort of jellyfish. Mm. Um, and there are kind of lots of allusions in this to kind of, um, you know, like Freud's notion of the oceanic, you know, um, uh, the 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 um, the drive of all sort of living creatures to aspire to an earlier state, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there are lots of kind of allusions to that. Um, and jellyfish, I think, are, were also a, a bit of a touchstone for us because certain species of jellyfish also are technically they're biologically immortal, right? They can um, uh, they can revert to a polyp state um, when they are injured or diseased. Uh, so, you know, we wanted these aliens to be truly alien. And so one of the things that they really struggle with is the concept of death. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so when we were designing them, you know, we had this, uh, I say we were designing them, when Casper was designing them, um, we had these, we had these discussions that were eventually became, you know, we, we fell into a sort of a, tra a trap of my own making, I guess, which is, you know, my brief to Casper initially was, I said, look, you know, um, let's, 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 uh, let's steer as far away as we possibly can from the kind of avatar, you know, basically big eyes, happy smiling mouth thing mm -hmm. uh you know let's 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 get as far away from that as possible let's go as far away from the humanoid as we possibly can and so we ended up with these designs that were truly alien which is what i wanted but then the problem we ran into immediately uh which you know i should have seen coming was um you know i'm i'm asking audiences to empathize with these characters for five issues and you know, you go back to sort of Scott McCloud's understanding comics, right? You know, there's that there's that there's that sit section, isn't he, where he's talking about you know we're we're hardwired uh, to em for empathy to the extent that you can draw like a circle on a page with two dots and and, and, and a curve and, and, and a and a smile, and you know we will imprint on it. But mm -hmm. if you if you deny readers, if you deny readers that basic that very very basic sort of um, uh, 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 sort of, I guess, empathic proxy, um, then you blunted all of your weapons as a dramatist almost immediately. So, you know, we had this design that we were really happy with that was like alien as hell, 
but you know as the issue as uh, you know as, as the as the horse bolted right we just we had to kind of pivot it was like you know we realized sort of three pages in like it's just not going to work because uh you know if, if readers can't identify with these characters we're going to lose readers immediately so you know they end up having teeth they end up having you know not eyebrows exactly but you know ridges that will allow them to kind of emote so they can frown so they can squint so they can smile they can cry all these things you know it's it, it's um it, it it it's it's unfortunate because i think uh, you know it 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 demonstrates i think over and over again just how sort of you know i mean we're talking sort of real uh I guess sort of neurological architecture here, you know, this is about, you know, what we're hardwired to recognize and what we're not, but we, we just, we just realize, man, like we, you, you can't, you, you can't fight city hall on this stuff, you know, you, you know, but like, look at the, look at guy, you know, Geiger Xenomorph, right? Like mm -hmm. you're never, you know, you would have to be like, you would have to be Paddy Chayevsky to generate empathy for the xenomorph, right? Like you would have to be Tony Kushner. You would have to be an extraordinary screenwriter to do that, you know? Um, and I'm not that. So, you know, big eyes it was. <laughs> I love the, the nickname that the operators have for our human, helpless. It's so telling that, you know, humans in the biome seem to be something that, every other animal will run over and that that's a great first impression for an outside species to have. But as opposed to asking a deep question about that, I'm going to go for the joke, which is, was it any point where you thought, Hmm, maybe harmless. And then went, nah, two Douglas Adams. <laughs> um, you know that never occurred to me but that would have been amazing and now i'm kicking myself because you know we pop i think we, i think we've sent it off to print yeah we have uh but that would have been amazing um and then yeah he would have had a buddy mostly harmless um um sorry but, we didn't yeah. do the interview sooner uh, <laughs> yeah i guess um <laughs> i'm still stealing it we'll fix it for the trade how's that yeah there, there you, you go, go. <laughs> yours for free Thank you very much. <laughs> Until the estate of Douglas Adams sues me. Yeah. <laughs> so the design extends to the lettering too. The aliens are are color coded right down to the color of the speech and their word balloons, sort of matching their general design scheme. Did that require sort of closer coordination with you know with Haas than you know another book might? Um, I want to say yes, uh, but I'm going to be completely candid with you here because my mom always said honesty is the best policy. Um, he just did it, man. Uh, <laughs> Sounds yeah, like us. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's nuts. Um, he just did it. And, um, you know, one of the other things was, you know, because Casper's uh, done, he's changed up his style almost completely for this book so you know he's i think for, you know for a long time um you know he's such a like the guy the guy is just such a kind of polymath you know uh he, he for a long time he's been considered like quite a kind of clean line guy i think mm -hmm. um and with this he's dirtied it right up like his line it's still you know incredibly detailed 
um, and these beautiful compositions, but he's he's really kind of charcoaled up his line. Uh, so it's it's quite a rough it's quite rough hewn now, um, and I think it works really well, you know, for the kind of for the, the 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 tenor of the story that we're telling, right? I don't think it's a clean story, so you know, um, uh, so so he's kind of really kind of you know uh, fuzzied up his line a little bit, and um, Haas came away, uh, oh sorry, went away for a week, came back, you know, lettered it, and one of the things he's done is he has. Um, all of his, all of the captions, all of the balloons have the same, uh, have that same sort of feathered line now. I mean, to the extent that some of the, some of the word, some of the balloons aren't even complete. They're, you know, whether the line just kind of tapers out and it, and 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 um, uh, you know, a, a bit of it kind of falls away. So so it's a, a, a tiny bit of it's kind of free floating. Uh, but the effect that that has. Is it's really interesting. It, 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 it to my mind, it makes it um, feel more sort of diegetic, right? Like so, the lettering itself feels much more like it's sort of part of the composition, which is really fascinating. You know, I mean, I remember like, you know, like the the very very early days of computer lettering, um, and you know, the balloons they definitely looked like they were sort of floating on the art. Which is not a criticism, you know. It was, you know, this is the, uh, you know, it's the same way with, you know, any tool when it's just been developed. You know, you've got to go through that kind of process. But what Haas has done with this, I think, and you know, you've got sort of lines tailing to characters behind other characters. You know, so he's definitely sort of playing around with the layers and stuff. I think, I think what he's done here is extraordinary. I, I, I've got one book um, called Roof Stompers that Haas hand lettered, mm-hmm. uh, which you know was I, I tortured him I'm not, i basically tortured him um but um but but with this i think what it, it you know i know of course i know it's all being done digitally it's being done digitally soup to nuts but i think the book has a really nice handmade kind of feel to it uh that i i you know i certainly wouldn't know how to replicate it's just this sort of bizarre alchemy between casper and haas uh, i don't know how they did it but yeah i think it's it's yeah the whole thing just just has a it has a toothiness to it that I really enjoy, you know. Absolutely, uh, you know, and and I I do love seeing Casper's evolution because I will say like on Homesick Pilots there there was there was some of that clean line stuff and then there was also a lot of that like dirty stuff that I think got him ready to work on uh, All Against All and they're they're having a those two styles are having a very good conversation with each other in that book um how how much of this feels like making this book feels like a catharsis for 21st century we fucked it all up melancholy uh i mean honestly uh everything i do is so you know it's the it, it it's the cheapest therapy in the world um so, you know, I don't know if you read any of my stuff, but, you know, Red Fork, Frendo. Sure, sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know, they're, they're, they're all like me screaming into a bucket, really. Um, and I would say this is no exception, but I think I think my craft is more on point than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, I mean, I think one of the things that I was, I was talking to Matt Rosenberg about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, just saying, you know, um, the i think you know when 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 the bad times really started to roll 
mm-hmm. around sort of 2015, 2016. Um, there were a lot of very visceral, immediate reactions to it that, you know, and I, I don't want to use the term, I don't want to use the term pejoratively because obviously, look, I mean, you know, like, you know, London Calling is an epochal masterpiece, right? But like, there's the kind of punk rock response, right? Which is, I think, much more, much more kind of polemical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, you don't have to dig too deeply for subtext and everything. And, and I think I was kind of, I was trafficking in a lot of that for quite a few years. Um, so, you know, and I think the problem with that is um, it it's it's great, and yeah, obviously, you know, you 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 feel better at the end of the day because you know you've screamed into a bucket, and you know you've you you've you've forced everyone to share your creed occur. Um, but um, I I think the the, the artistic sorry to get pretentious, but I think there are only diminishing artistic returns. Um, you know, eventually, I think um, you have to start um, moving more into the realm of um, uh, symbol, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like symbol rather than kind of, uh, you know, symbol rather than kind of uh, analogy. Um, or, or or even allegory, mm-hmm. uh, you know, al- allegory has a definite referent, right? So allegory, you can say, okay, well, this is this this is actually, you know, th- you know, you can say, uh, which is not not say that you know allegory is terrible, right? Like Dante's Inferno is allegory; it's political allegory for you know the the corruption of you know Renaissance Florence or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but eventually you know unless you are supremely skilled as of course dante was um unless you start speaking outside of that it, you know it it reads like a sort of sunday morning kind of punch cartoon um and doesn't have a particularly long shelf life so i think one of the things that i've tried to do this last couple of years and i think i sort of started with friendo really friendo's still very on the nose um but i started sort of think okay right i i i can't you know what do i do do i just sort of stand up on a soapbox every day and say fascism is bad like everyone you know everyone who reads my stuff knows that mm-hmm. um you know i'm not I'm, I'm preaching to the choir so you move beyond that and I, I remember i had a long conversation with um uh nick harkaway about it and and you know he's just he was just saying you know like I, I don't know what we're doing right like i mean everything you know, all of the crises that we were kind of promised as as kids are, are coming to pass and they seem absolutely inexorable. Um, what do we do in a moment like this? And I think, you know, the one thing you can't do is, um, uh, and look, you know, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, right? But I, I personally don't think art uh, fixes anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, like I hope I'm just being kind of pragmatic here, right? That's not that's not nihilism. I'm not I'm not doing my own profession down or anyone else's for that matter. But I think where it really comes into its own, 
you know, it's not, and it doesn't raise awareness really, right? Like, you know, the, the 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 days of you know everyone reading the same novel are long gone, right? You know, we all we all we're all in our in our, in our little bell jars, you know, um, uh, feeding ourselves to ourselves. But I think the one thing that it can do, and 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 I'm trying to do this much more consciously, is is console, right? Um, yeah, you know, it, it's never going to have that. Um, I, I I I I do believe in the transformative power of art, but I, I don't I don't believe in it on a sort of general sort of societal level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I used to, I, I don't anymore. But I, I think it's it's funny, you know. Like I did a a, a Marvel one shot a couple of years ago, and it was it was during it was during lockdown that it came out. So which you know and. and um, I did a swordsman one shot for Marvel, right? Yes. As part of the, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 Empire uh, crossover, and there was there was a sequence in that um, where it's it's basically and it, like it's it's weird, man. It's 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 a kid whose dad is like part plant, and he's basically just watching his dad merge with a tree, leaving him all alone, and like just you know four stacked widescreen panels of just you know this dude melding with a tree, right? I mean, you know, sci-fi stuff, right? Yeah. And, but I, I remember all, all I kept thinking, but um, I, I kept having like the, the son character in various kind of uncomfortable poses. So he's like sitting on the grass, you know, stretching his back, you know, walking off, coming back. Um, just, you know, this, with this sort of time lapse almost. And I got the strangest email, like a couple, like about a month later. And it was just, um, this this person had been kind enough to kind of reach out and just said, look, um, I just wanted you to know, you know, uh, a very close relative of mine was kind of dying and you absolutely kind of captured how you 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 captured the 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 grief stricken tedium, the banality of waiting for someone to pass. Um, and I mean, what but but genuinely, I mean, it, it was really uncanny because I wrote that scene thinking about my grandfather's death right i remember you know the fact that it it was both horrific and um you know uh, unbearable but also like also kind of boring in a weird weird way kind of boring um and but yeah this person kind of reached out to me you know over the ether and just said like it really helped you know is there any way i can get hold of the original page and I was, you know, I mean, that's not that's not in my gift, obviously, but um, I I think I think it was almost kind of in that moment, uh, you know, again, not not in any kind of messianic way at all, but like, oh yeah, okay, like I'm actually here to do something really small, you know, um, I, I'm I'm here to, uh, you know, I guess I don't know. Uh, uh, remind people every now and then that maybe they might not be completely alone i guess i don't know maybe that still sounds too grandiose i don't know anyway no i I think that's good i think that's good how much discussion was there about what decaying well-known structures to use to show the reader that we are dealing with a post-humanity earth I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that because you know as you know I mean you know what we settled on yes um and it still feels too kind of uh occidental to me I guess 
it's still it's still you know i i still i still think there's kind of bias um in the choice okay uh i mean we, we you know we because you know we had the discussions early on and and you know we we knew that we wanted to steer clear of like you know the empire state building or you know the pentagon or you know uh the white house or Statue of liberty is a little too planet of the apes <laughs> this, this, this is it yeah or, or you know but th there's certainly there are some structures there's there are some structures that are just absolutely kind of acid etched into the sort of uh popular consciousness and it's kind of I mean, maybe this is maybe this is just my excuse because it was my choice, but I figured kind of going with the Eiffel Tower would um, it would decenter it sufficiently, mm -hmm. um, you know. But you know, on, yeah, on reflection, yeah. I mean, why didn't I go with the Burj Khalifa? Like, I don't know. I could have done. Um, it's it's probably equally recognizable at this point. Um, yeah, no, it, it's an interesting one. It's an it's it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I, and 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 I'd be interested to see how the book dates on that level. Also, shout out in this comic to the Svalbard Global Seed Bank in Norway. A, oh uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> very real thing that holds many of Earth's seeds, just in case. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, uh, we did. Uh, we did finesse it a little bit. Because it was, uh, yeah, it was the seed bank, but for our purposes, it's also the seed and embryo bank. Mm -hmm. So, although I, my understanding is that that is a thing that is going to happen, uh, they're gonna they're gonna archive um, uh, viable embryos as well. Probably a good idea. <laughs> in case in case we really shit the bed, which we absolutely will. <laughs> I mean, because we've got such a good track record, I don't know how you could think that. Uh, <laughs> you know now that you've talked about earlier the uh jellyfish nature of the aliens this little bit really clicks in my head but i love the expletive of briny breakers from yeah. the aliens and that now that you've now that it's like oh jellyfish that makes so much sense yeah, they they are they're effectively they they are marine life forms um, that um, evolved to basically kind of wrap themselves around the sort of uh, the brain stems of vertebrates and sort of puppeteer them, um, and via that mechanism they have effectively become a kind of you know uh, a, a galaxy spanning sort of you know type three civilization. Um, but they've they've hit that kind of interesting point where the the I, I guess the sort of the the barbarism of their you know the barbarism of their origins is almost kind of long forgotten. So, I mean, I mentioned I may mention you know I mentioned it in the in the issue you know uh, the the bodies are now kind of um, they're 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 kind of expertly and clinically curated from various kind of species that they find from all these worlds that they conquer. And it's so far removed from that brutal process of kind of wrapping themselves around the brainstem of a kind of an existing vertebrate animal that they um, they just pick up bodies from showrooms that they don't even think about where they came from, right? And I guess, it, you know, I was thinking in terms of, uh, 
yeah, I mean, there's a kind of colonial dimension to that, but also in terms of, you know, just, you know, you or I going to, you know, um, you know, going to the supermarket and picking up a bag of chicken, you know, at least to date, it has been perfectly possible and has been for a number of decades now to, to eat chicken every day without knowing what a chicken looks like. You know, it, it's just so far removed from from the kind of the, the yeah the you know the that industrial process. You know, absolutely. So for for this book, you're working. Uh, it's it's through Image, but it's uh, publishing under Chris Ryle's uh, Syzygy imprint. Uh, yeah. How did you end up going that route? Uh, I mean, I uh, Chris and I Chris and I were talking for a number of years. Um, and I knew that he was getting a thing going. Um, and, um, you know, he's edited some of my favorite books. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I think I got talking to him at a, um, NYCC a few years ago, you know, we just, you know, had a couple of drinks, got chatting. Um, and I, ran some ideas past him. He really liked this one. Um, and it's been, you know, it, it, it was great for me in the sense that, like, I, I, I wanted to do an image book, but I didn't feel that I was, um, you know, you have to be, I think, a very... Um, you know, the work ethic that you need to make an image book, it is not for the faint of heart. Um, mm-hmm. And I am faint of heart. <laughs> um, so um, it was very reassuring to me to know that, you know, at least some of the marketing would be taken care of that, um, you know, the that I wouldn't have to necessarily kind of make overtures to various people in terms of, you know, who's going to letter the thing, who's going to, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, and, and also, frankly, you know, in Chris himself to kind of have a voice of challenge to kind of give me a gut check, you know, whenever I was kind of making, you know, dumb narrative decisions, which is often. <laughs> um, so, you know, just having him there to kind of true the wheel and make sure that the book is sort of the best version of itself that it can possibly be. Mm-hmm you know, helps me sleep at night, you know, I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's taken me five years to do an image book, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, in and out of comics for five years, I've been working, you know, it's been my sole source of income for two years, you know, and it, uh, it it just, you know, it was time to have that eye on the cover, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm very proud of it. Now, do you have any uh, store signings or anything planned to, celebrate when the uh, when the book comes out uh yeah i do i mean um uh not not stateside sadly uh, i wish uh but uh i you know i've got some cool ones uh i have one day and date uh forbidden planet manchester uh i will be i'll be signing there and um i think that's five till six and then on the 10th of december um the forbidden planet megastore in london uh, I'll be signing with Casper, uh, and they've they've actually they they've commissioned their own cover from Casper. Uh, so, you know, they'll be selling you know one that's uh, just for them. Um, so yeah, a couple of those signings. Um, but I'll I'll probably do all sorts of oh yeah um, 
OK Comics in Leeds have some signed exclusive prints. Casper and I have signed those prints. And um, uh, Close Encounters as well in Bedford are going to have some signed prints from me. So, you know, uh, it's going to be uh, just an all-I-can-eat all, an all, an all buffet of carpal tunnel syndrome. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If I'm not wearing a wrist brace by the end of it, I'm not doing it right. <laughs> so uh, you're also currently writing, co-writing uh, DC versus Vampires All Out War. How do yeah. you get involved in that particular bit of supernatural weirdness? Um, I mean, that was uh, that was a call, a very welcome call. Um in the spring of this year uh, you know uh, the main DC versus vampires book uh, was sort of doing gangbusters and they wanted to extend it um, so uh, my buddy Matt Rosenberg gave me a call and just said look you know do you want to you know do you want to do you want to write this you know you'll get to um, you know it, it's not going to be um you know, t- tonally, it, it, it's not it's not your usual wheelhouse, but that 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 can only be good for you. Um, I agreed, um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's just been immensely cathartic. You know, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You know, like uh, I, I I get I get to kill everybody's faves, like <laughs> m- month in month out in increasingly you know disgusting ways. It's it's just. It, it, Ooh, it feels yeah. like a vacation. It's wonderful. Like Ben Abernathy as well, the editor is is great, man. Like I'll just kind of say stuff to him, like, so you know, can I kill you know? So if I kill this person by putting force fields like in their brain, that's okay, right? Yeah, do that. You know, just make it really, you know, as long as there's no intestines. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's that's the rule. That's the one rule: no intestines. <laughs> like it, it's the weirdest thing, man. Like it, it's some. Um, uh, just uh you can kind of you can kind of go almost as grody as you want uh but there are there there, there are these uh, i mean you know as, as a european they feel quite arbitrary to me um sure. but you know it, it is that whole thing of like you know the pg-13 like you know like it's that is that whole thing of like like you know yeah you could show one nipple you know, it's it's that it's it's that those kind of things. Like, okay, all, all right, the shit you want in one fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, but yeah, like, it, but it, it's great, man. You know, because because working with like Ben, Ben is kind of just as uh, sort of bloodthirsty as we are. So you know, every every time we sort of suggested something really really outlandish, he was like, "Yep, you know, sign, you know, co-signed. Off you go." <laughs> um it's yeah it's, it's interesting man but like it, it's funny though because the, the, the stuff from the main continuity kind of follows you over as well so you know there there are people obviously who kind of um you know there are people who sort of uh like uh uh ship uh you know uh, uh like dick grayson and starfire or who who ship you know dick grayson and batgirl like you know you still even though you're writing something that's totally out of continuity you still have to be uh cognizant and respectful of that you know 
which is which is you know like you can tear you, you know you can decapitate as many people as you want but you have to be very sensitive you know uh, in terms of sort of reader expectations you know but, but woe be it if dick grayson were to kiss catwoman that would be right <laughs> out <laughs> it yeah man it's um i mean it's it's funny you know it, it it's 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 weird to sort of be in a position where you are both effectively like being paid to be irresponsible uh but there are still certain areas that are absolutely and justifiably off limits right um because like you know i'm i'm making funny books man i don't want to ruin anyone's day you know were you given this particular motley crew of characters to work with or was it more these are the characters that are being used over in the main book so you can't use these ones so everybody else is fair game there was an element of that um there was an element of that uh but it was also like who do you think is fun and i just i just kind of talked that out with matt like i mean i really like bane i've always liked bane um uh you know i'm a i'm a big justice league international guy so like you know i had to get booster in there um uh you know dan and i both for you know dan more so you know more than me but you know we we both kind of grew up with the sort of nightfall era so we both absolutely love Azrael and we love asbat so um you know i i asked straight off the bat i said can i have jean paul valley yep no problem and and that that was a lot of fun actually because whenever i was writing jean paul um i would always get on the phone to dan and just go look is this is this consistent and i know i know we're dealing with completely different universes here but is this consistent with your take on the character so really like i had like another layer of editorial with dan just kind of going like no he wouldn't say that so the, the, it, it's really cool. Like the the Asriel that you see in DC versus Vampires is, for all intents and purposes, kind of you know it has the the Dan Waters imprimatur, uh, which is a lot of fun. You know we had a lot of fun doing that. Um, I mean I didn't get to you know there were a couple that I got to use that but I only got to use them kind of like um, very briefly. Like uh, love Blue Devil, just what a great what a great idea for a character, man. I mean, there are others that if I'd had my, you know, if I'd had my kind of, you know, druthers, I'd have been, you know, I was like, you know, can I use Thriller? You know, can I use Tailgunner Joe? You know, I would have loved to have done that sort of stuff. But, you know, that's still, it's still, you know, it, it would fly. But, you know, I, like I got to like, I got to like, you know, kill like Vigilante and Captain Atom, you know, in in increasingly kind of absurd ways. It was great. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It feels like there has to be a certain gleeful schadenfreude in not just killing these characters, but also in the case of some of them dangling the the solution to all their problems right in front of them and then yanking it away. Especially somebody like Deathstroke, who I firmly believe does not deserve nice things. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, weirdly, like I, I almost kind of, you know, he's uh, we we have we have a couple of we have, we have like rotating protagonists right so i would say that sort of du those duties are sort of shared between um like deathstroke and john constantine right um uh certainly john constantine to begin with but you know a lot of the kind of introductory narration is kind of deathstroke so i get to do all the, the kind of you know the 
the sort of grizzled old the grizzled old soldier thing you know which was again you know oh it's cool like i'll just i'll just do my best kind of uh i'll just do my best kind of tim o'brien impression um but uh i think uh there was a lot of schadenfreude in killing jimmy olsen like that was that was that was deeply satisfying not because i have anything against the dude in particular i just really don't like bow ties you know um so you know but that was a particularly kind of you know you wrote the 11th doctor how do you not like bow ties (laughs) well my secret's out you know Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no I, i i don't know man uh i think it was uh they just rubbed me up the wrong way uh uh, I, I'll, I'll buy someone, you know, with a stick of celery in their lapel more than a bow tie, <laughs> and that's <laughs> just the way it is. Uh, love it, love it. Um, do want did want to get one plug in there uh, as we're as we're wrapping up. You do also have Red Goblin coming up in uh, from Marvel in February with Jan Bazaldua. Uh, so we now have an entire sort of lantern style color spectrum of goblins. Cause you know, there's green, there's red, <laughs> there's gold. I think there's a blue yeah. one that doesn't do much than more than stand behind the green one and yell. Yeah. And what, you know, sort of hype man stuff, but uh, real quick, are you know, what sort of non-spoilery things do we need to know about your guy? Well, I mean, the solicitation's out. So I can tell you that uh, it's Normie Osborne, who is the grandson of Norman Osborne, the green goblin. Um, and you know he's had uh, and, and um it's uh uh it's uh, it's a symbiote the same as it was before mm-hmm. uh but you know the last red goblin was the carnage symbiote mm-hmm. um this may or may not be uh but um i think uh what's I- i'm really enjoying writing this book because um I'm trying to, it's not, you know, because we sort of, we, we live, the book lives somewhere between the Spider-Man books and some, and, and, you know, we, we're run out of the symbiote office, (laughs) but obviously we, we touch on the spider books quite extensively. Right. So, um, you know, uh, uh, Chris Cantwell's uh, Gold Goblin book, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's, you know, he has Normie and Norman Osborn, you know, playing baseball, and 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 in 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 our book, you're going to see the other side of that. So, you know, you've got sort of Normie Osborn, and and the, the way I kind of pitched it in the room uh, is like, I, if I do my job correctly. Um, I, you know, I want this to be a Red Goblin book that uh, will make you cry. Uh, you know, it'll have you know big action, you know, a lot of you know a lot of horror. But you know, I think like I, the way I kind of pitched it in the room was, uh, you know, I want to do something about basically. Um, it's a sto- you know you you really kind of peel you you peel back the hood. It's going to be a story about um, a good kid with a big dog. Right. That's 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 what I'm keeping kind of, you know, uppermost in my thoughts at all times. And, Mm. you know, so, yeah, I mean, okay, you know, you can do kind of, you know, attack dog with that, but you can also do Lassie with that. 
So, you know, that's, 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 that's my approach. Um, and yeah, the, the Marvel are kind of trusting me to do some, I, th- I hope, I think some pretty interesting stuff with it. Well, that's excellent. And people should definitely, uh, pre-order and and all the other good stuff keep a lookout for that uh final question uh what are you reading right now uh oh uh weird stuff <laughs> great <laughs> yeah um uh oh man like uh, g- genuinely i mean i i i do like i'm um i'm reading uh a trilogy of novels at the moment by um a mexican author called yuri herrera um uh, which I really recommend. At the moment, I'm reading Kingdom Cons, which is um, like a wonderful novella um, about a kind of, uh, but it, 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 uh, a, a criminal boss who runs his sort of organization like a sort of feudal court, um, and he's he's got this um, uh, he's got this uh, this guitar player who's basically sort of you know uh, uh, playing the role of, of of a bard, I guess. Um, and it's just you know treating you know treating it like a sort of medieval court. It's it's, it's ab- and it's just beautifully beautifully written. So I'm really enjoying that. Um, um, I am um, comics wise. Um, I'm um, I think I'm I'm, fi- I'm just about to finish off uh, number five by Taiya Matsumoto, mm. uh, which is fabulous obviously a friend of mine i haven't read it yet but a friend of mine's just uh recommended um dandadan uh by uh yokinobu tatsu to me uh so i just picked that up that looks uh that looks to be pretty special um and i'm also um i'm going back through uh uh i'm getting the um the the grendel omnibuses uh Ooh. you know as they get as they get reissued thoroughly enjoying those also, um, IDW are doing God's work. They're re-releasing uh, the uh, uh, Francois Chuitain, Benoit Peters, uh, Cities of the Fantastic series. Mm. Um, so, uh, Samaris, The Fever in Urbicon, loads of stuff about, um, you know, comics about sort of deconstruction and sort of um, post-war urbanism. And yeah, really, really lovely, interesting stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, Alex, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. We look forward to more uh, all, against, all Against All and everything else that you have going on. Thank you so much for having me. Um, sorry I rambled. Yep, never. Never apologize for rambling. <laughs> That's rule number <laughs> okay. one on this show. <laughs> the fear, the terror of dead air. <laughs> That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, The Battle of the Atom, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the Comics XF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, 
Charlie Davis, Robert Secundus, Kat Purcell, Liz Large, and Will Nevin from Comics XF, Carla Pacheco, Mike Sagawa, and Asimov Fangirl, aka the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQ Comics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, Pete Wisdom was actually the first character to ever say, to me, my X-Men. WMQA.